Tapping the Keg, episode four hundred two, a snow day surprise. Charlie and Mitch here on a Monday. Technically taping this during the afternoon on Sunday. So anything that happens after one o'clock Sunday, don't hold us to it. But yeah, uh, scheduling the way we want to do it, we're going to rock this out on Sunday. We have a loaded show. We might go for two hours. I don't know. Probably not two hours, but we'll, we're going to go for a while. We're going to talk about the Bucks bad weekend and kind of talk also too about the obsession with firing coaches, which we'll go into Mike Pettin. And then we'll talk Stafford to the Lions or Stafford to the Rams, excuse me, and how that affects the Packers. And then also interest in a guy like Richard Sherman or JJ Watt. And then lastly, we'll talk about what the Brewers are doing. And if time, Mark Lazary or Alex Lazary and the vaccine. So all of that in a loaded Monday, day, uh, tapping the keg, not daily tap. So happy to have you, Mitch. How you hanging in? Yeah. There? I mean, it sucks, but um, I, you know, for my, my outlook on snow is I hate snow. I, I, I would rather, I would take 10 days of polar vortex if we got no snow um, just because it presents so many problems, but like, if you're going to get six inches, what's the difference if you get 10? I mean, yeah, it's all pretty well, much the same after about six or seven inches. Might as well um, go all unless out. It, yeah, true. And, and unless you're, unless you're talking about like 18 inches, which I've seen before, which is, yep. then you're talking like, it's up to like your thigh. <laughs> and then that's <laughs> like, like unlivable. That's like, you can't leave your house. So it's almost, yeah, this is still, you can kind of get things done and you can go, go walk around and, the plows are out, but yeah, eight, 18 is tough. I think New York is expect, expected to get like 12 to 18 tonight, which they're getting our snowstorm, wow. I think, combined with another one. So we'll uh, we'll sort of see what happens there. Uh, th- it'll make a big deal out of it always because it's New York, right? But yeah. Oh, yeah, um, it'll be. Yeah, we decided to tape the show because we were going over scheduling and we're like, well, the Bucks are in such a mess right now that we really don't want to be taping during a game at this point because it's kind of critical mass time. And it, we, we were just going over it. All of a sudden, I'm like, well, we could do it today. And so here, here we are. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's rare that like we, we, there is no like really relevant or impactful sporting events on a Sunday. I mean, right. the only thing we have is Marquette, which plays in an hour, which will probably make me want to KMS by – 4 30 um but, and, and chuck's already had a lot of body blows this weekend with sports and well, uh, it's like it, now he gets marquette yeah oh man i mean the buck stuff was terrible has been terrible which we're gonna talk to in a second but yeah to have that and then on top of it like sam hauser's been just dynamite for virginia now granted they got their asses kicked by virginia tech yesterday which made me happy but like sam hauser's been a fucking stud for virginia and it's like this sucks, man. And just to see him get driven out by Wojo, he Wojo could also be part of that like culture of wanting to fire everybody that we'll talk about shortly. So let's uh, let's waste no more time though. And with the Bucks, I think all of us looked at the schedule and saw New Orleans and Charlotte and said, "All right, like this is kind of get right spots, kind of get hot. You're pl- you you beat Atlanta, you beat Toronto." You're heading in, like, get on a little bit of a winning streak here and start to kind of impose your will. You know, we're right around that 20-game mark where I had mentioned with Dante DiVincenzo had said, like, we're going to need 20 to 25 games to really figure this out. 
And yet they got ship pumped both nights. There's no better way to say it. They came out flat against New Orleans and then they followed up with coming out flat against Charlotte. And I know that that's been a talking point for Mike Budenholzer of just the flatness of both both games. And I don't know where you want to start, if it's the three pointers, if it's the Bucks attitude, but I just, I, this is, it's kind of at the point where now we throw out this whole thing of regular season doesn't matter out the window. Cause it just looks like, are the Bucks just a middle of the road basketball team? I'm not, I'm not ready to go there yet. Um, I, I mean, the three pointers and stuff is, is concerning. I mean, you don't want to give up 21 threes in back-to-back games. I mean, that just shows that you've learned nothing from the night before. And Saturday, like Friday was, Friday was tough because New Orleans has hit everything. And New Orleans is probably not, I don't know the numbers. I'm not very good at with rankings and stuff. I don't look at that type of stuff, but just, just knowing their roster, they're probably not a good shooting team. No, and, and they're and they're just a dog shit basketball team. Like I know I yeah. you, I do it from the view of gambling, but like I've gambled against New Orleans and won a lot of money off New Orleans off of betting against New Orleans all year. Like mm-hmm. New Orleans has been a very profitable team for me. I loaded up against Houston last night. Like and Houston's been really good too. On top of that, but like right now for the regular season, New Orleans net rating is twenty one. So then that combines defensive and offensive efficiency and they're 21. So they're not good. And Charlotte is 18. The Bucks right now are those that are curious. Yeah. I mean, so Friday you get Lonzo ball going off, Eric Bledsoe going off, which I think some of us saw coming. Oh yeah. um, Just because that's something he would do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but then you come out Saturday and they were actually up 10, nothing right away to start the game against the Hornets. And you're like, all right, they are angry. They're going to come out and, you know, put this game away in the first half. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, uh, by about a minute into the second quarter, they're down by 10. Uh, I think it was the Hornets. I, I, I heard I, I was watching on a stream and I heard at commercial breaks, they show like highlights and stuff. Yeah. And I heard the Hornets announcer say to go up by 10 and be down by 10 in like 13 minutes of game action is, is, is amazing. <laughs> and it's I like, hate, I hate the yeah. one that's announcer, by the way. Um, he does. Eric, Eric Collins. He's such a fuck. He, oh, yeah, he is obnoxiously he's, bad. He is. He is Gus Johnson like times. Yeah. Times he thinks 10, he's Gus sure. Johnson. He's basically trying to be like the white Gus Johnson. It's like, bro, he's not white, lane. but he's not white. Um, he's, 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 not black, but not white. I oh guess man! Figure that out. Sorry, I apologize. Um, I think he's definitely got a got a olive skin tone. For oh sure. man! Um, uh, who's the goose but, there? My bad, Eric. Yeah, you're right. He is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. but uh, <laughs> hot start. He, I mean, I actually, I mean, I don't know. I don't mind the guy, but I don't hear him very often. I don't watch Big East basketball too much. Yeah. Um, and he's he he is one of those guys where if he was your broadcaster, you'd probably love him. Oh yeah. But um so yeah he's obnoxious but yeah he had a good point though it's like just the way they fell apart in the in the first quarter like just immediately it was like they they put in some bench guys and it just fucking completely fell apart I mean DJ Augustine has been horrible yeah DJ played four minutes last night um and he was minus 21 yeah and so DJ got the quick hook like they did not let DJ 
play at all. And he's averaging five points a game right now, shooting 39%. But yeah, last the game, DJ's last five games, he's played 17, 16, 14, 10, and four. So that's where they've yeah. got it. And so like, yeah. we didn't talk about that. Like, the whole George Hill bitching that he got removed for the bucks for social media stuff. And that's not true at all. Social justice. That's not true at all. It's fabrication from George Hill, yeah. but man, you, you can't tell me that they don't miss George Hill right now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't think George Hill would be the difference right now, Mitch, but I'm just saying you can tell that he's the guy. That yeah. You would, you would, I, I think it's just, it, it was the last two games were like, I hate doing it, but it's like almost watching Jason Kidball again, where it was yeah. like, we have, to, we're, we have to, our starters played like 40 minutes. Yeah. Just, just to hang around against Charlotte and New Orleans. Right. And it's like, what, this is, we have not seen this in, in three years. Right. This and, is, this was very uncharacteristic of the Bucks, And that's, I think why everyone is, you know, kind of freaking out. And I, I it helps Milwaukee that Mike Patton doesn't have a job because I don't think the Bucks will make the A block on a lot of local radio, but it'll no. definitely be a hot topic and be like, where are you at right now with the Bucks? I think that's going to be a question that a lot of people are wondering and the bucks are going to have to do some soul search. Now you play a Blazers team that is, you know, half a roster. They don't have Nurkic. They don't have CJ McCollum. They should have lost to the bulls last night. The bulls. I mean, you talk about just an epic collapse late. That was terrible. I had the bulls minus two and a half. So if anyone's wondering why I, I knew that bulls lost a five point lead in under a minute, Dame Lillard hits a game winner. So like, yeah. They're not good. They're just not good right now. And you play Indiana, which is a big test. And if you can beat Indiana and you can beat the Blazers, you got to kind of get yourself right because you have this massive fucking road trip coming up where you're on the road for basically like two and a half weeks. And if and they're not a good road team right now. And and that's a problem. And they they weren't a bad road team, you know, the last two years. So what is it? Is it the fact that they're cooped up in their hotel and it just kind of affects them mentally and that they had a system, whether it was like having a few drinks and going out, like nothing crazy, right? Like they had a system and because their system is thrown out of whack because of COVID, they're just not the same team on the road anymore. I don't know. That's just me speculating. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen some people talk about like not having fans at Pfizer Forum. If that's, yep. you know, basically, basically since, since the bubble, I mean, since COVID hit, there's been no fans, and is that affecting the team's energy? And that's kind of a cop out to me because everybody has that issue basically, and it's you know, but Giannis is certainly an energy energy type player, feeds off the crowd. I mean, but he he's 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 got the numbers, but I, I feel like he's he's been hesitant. Yeah. And, and just weird off. Yeah. We, and we've talked about it before, but it's, it just seems like he just, he's, he's getting, I mean, the Bucks got called for like six travels well, in the game against I, Charlotte, I, which is like that never, I, I thought they didn't call travels. In the I NBA. couldn't believe the fourth quarter the Bucks had la like the Bucks fourth quarter last night, I think was the more alarming thing than anything else where you hung around with Charlotte. You're down by a couple heading into the fourth quarter might've been tied. And all you had to do was just kind of have a bucks run, just get hot. And you score 20 points. You turn the ball over 
I don't know how many times. It was ugly as fuck. Right. And and you just completely wilt. And I and think that, that's oh go ahead. That probably goes back to being on a back to back and having a player start sure. forty minutes both games. Oh, that's and dig yourself point. out of a twenty eight point point hole on Friday night, which I did see a tweet during the game Friday night, which I thought was pretty good that I don't know who it was, so forgive me, but it was like um, what does it say about the NBA that you that like a 28 point lead and the game's not even over? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I mean? pretty bad. Like I, I, they just come, I, they came back, no problem. Also, like why to that point? Why the fuck are you not just waving the white flag if you're Bud there and saying, "All yeah. right, like we lost this game." Is it just because he's pissed at his team and he's like they don't deserve that? But I I, I think that's so short sighted because it's like, all right, you got to play Charlotte and then you got to play Portland tonight. Like you got a lot of basketball right now. So you're in the thick of it. Like, why not like pump the gas, pull back on the players and say, all right, let's, let's get ready for Charlotte on Saturday and kick their ass. Cause yeah, you're right. Who knows? Maybe what happened in the fourth quarter doesn't happen. You're absolutely right. It was tired legs. I think that is, it's not an excuse. I think that's a fair point to say why the bucks sort of kind of fell apart, but You know, allowing 27 points off turnovers last night is just, that's not good. That's giving, that's, that's basically how Charlotte won the game. Turnovers, 27 of them. And Giannis missed eight free throws, which doesn't help. I don't expect Giannis to be an all-star shooting, shooting the ball, shooting free throws. But you, in these type of games where you're going to need a little bit more, Giannis just has to be better from the line. And yeah, it was. It was a bad – these two losses are really bad, and the Bucks, you know, just need to kind of go soul-searching here this next week. This week is really important for them, and I think it it, it will get louder and louder, especially because you're on ESPN on, on Wednesday, which I didn't know. That must have got moved. They're playing uh, on the mothership at 6 now on, uh, on Wednesday. So you mm-hmm. go Portland, Indiana, and then two – uh, road games with Cleveland before heading out west. So yeah, and Cleveland and Cleveland has been obviously notably frisky. Yeah, they're scrappy, year, so especially at home. Um, they're not really good on the road. Their road record sucks, but on at home they've been really good. And so yeah, if you don't come out of this three and one this week, I think there's going to be a lot of people starting to wonder if Bud should have a job. And I think that's a little overblown and I'll, I'll get your take here in a second because what I keep trying to tell people who want Bud gone or frustrated with Bud is like, look, he would have been gone if Giannis said, yeah, I don't want this guy my, as my coach anymore. Back when Lazarus and him sat down together, had lunch in the bubble before they left, like an exit interview, it was talked about. I think Eric Name wrote about it. It was like a three hour lunch. Like Giannis would, if he's like, I want this guy gone, it would have been gone. And Giannis could still tell them, hey, we, we, I've been talking to the guys, we got to try something new. And like the frustration you're kind of hearing from Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, mm-hmm. where they were kind of openly being like, yeah, I didn't know why Torrey Craig wasn't playing, is like, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit like, are we starting to fray here and not necessarily, not necessarily coming together? So where are you at with Bud and just the the culture around him, I guess? Well, I've said it before. It's kind of like, I don't know if he's the guy that's going to take you to the championship, you know, bring home the ship. Uh, You know, I just, I don't, I feel like I've seen enough to where 
but I, you don't know. I mean, I feel like he's a he's a fairly you know solid offensive mind, uh, or not offensive mind, but just a basketball mind. He, it just seems right. like he's a little bit stubborn. And I don't know. I mean, they switched everything last night against or uh, Saturday night against Charlotte. And after digging themselves a a hole, it was one of those things where all right, Charlotte's eleven for fourteen from three. Like we have no choice now. I mean, they're making everything. Mm-hmm. So they finally switched everything which helped, you know, I, I, Charlotte, the three pointers weren't necessarily the issue in the second half. It was again, more tired legs and, and stuff like that. But I mean, it, okay. So let's say you do get rid of coach, Bud. then what's, you know, again, if you want somebody fired, you got to have a plan. What right. are you going to do? Call, call up Darvin ham. How is that going to be any different? Right. Darvin ham has been, has, has Darvin ham has been with Mike Budenholzer for 10 years. I mean, it, it's, it's, probably more, it'd be like firing Jason Kidd and then you have Joe Prunty like okay right. it's a it's a, di- it's a different voice you might get a boost for a, a, a couple weeks but then like when shit starts hitting the fan again what's what's what are they going to turn to what you know what evidence do they have that, that they can say this thing is going to going to get better than than what we had yeah um, I mean they have Charles uh, Lee too who is also who's also got some coach head coaching looks and but again, he's a guy who's worked for Budenholzer for years. So mm-hmm. it's like, what would change? Is that going to so, – all these guys have really been bud guys besides someone like Vin Baker, you know, who's not, you know, been just as an assistant. So I don't know how much that's going to help. Yeah, and if, and if you do fire your coach, I mean, in a way, you're punting on the season, in my opinion. I mean, I, it just – and then well, you've, got, you've got Drew Holiday who, who – is going to be eligible for an extension coming up here at the end of this month. And, um, you know, I would say that it seems like Drew Holiday is not a huge fan of Coach Bud. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe um, the organization has to look at it that way. Do we want to keep Drew Holiday past this year? Which I think they do, be given how much draft capital they gave up to get him. Yeah. You know, maybe, that, maybe, that's, a, maybe that's a factor where they're like, okay, he is – sort of openly disagreed with the coach on on a few minor things and you know maybe that's something we have to think about but you know if you fire a coach it, it you know you go back to Jason Kidd and, and Joe Prunty you yeah. know the Bucks the Bucks took Boston to seven in the first round and, and lost and you know I don't know if that would have been any different with Jason Kidd but with you know with Jason Kidd it was certainly time for him to go there's no question I just I don't know if I'm I, I I'm wanna... quite there yet with Bud I want to push back a little bit on that you punt the season with firing your coach because the Cleveland Cavaliers did this in 2016 and won a championship. Yeah, they did. I mean, they did. Yeah. you know, that's, they, that's, that's one I could think of. But. David Blatt, though, was 30 and 11, which is wild that he lost his job at 30 and 11. And Ty, Tyron Lou actually had a worse record than him at 27 and 14. But if mm-hmm. you listen to Kevin Love, who is on a podcast, I've brought this up a few times. Uh, then said basically like, yeah, Ty Lue was great. was an awesome playoff coach, like really smart mind, like had us thinking about playoffs the whole time. I'd also remind people that the East that year was dog shit. They swept the Pistons, they swept the Hawks, and then they lost, they beat the Raptors in six and the Raptors weren't very good that year. And then came back from three, one down to beat the Warriors. So like, was that when, was that, was Cleveland the three seed that year? Uh, yeah, I think so. I can pull up where because they were that was the, the year. That was the year I think Detroit was. They had just gotten Tobias Harris, and they were like, kind of young and up and coming, and they were like 500. 
but they were like a six or seven seed. And yeah. And then they got swept by the Cavs and it was like, okay, yeah, they're, they're, they're nothing special, but right. yeah, yeah, I mean, no, I, you know, I guess you do have that, but, and, and that's, that's LeBron at work, right? Like that's, uh, no, Something's the Cavs, right. He's the Cavs go. were the one seed that year, even though that there was another year where Cleveland in the playoffs was like the four seed. I think it might be the next year where they were the four seed and got back or the three seed. Let's see here. No, next year they were two. But yeah, I mean, Cleveland, though, has shown an affinity with LeBron to not kind of care about not kind of care about the, the regular season. And it's worked out for them. Now, does it work out for everybody? No. I And like. That's the hard part because it's like we always have this mind to like, well, LeBron's done it. And it's like not everybody's fucking LeBron. LeBron is a killer. And I don't know if Giannis is a killer yet. We talked about that last week. Like, I don't know if Giannis has what LeBron has, what KD has. KD is a killer where it's like I think the Nets could fire their coach tomorrow. Not they would fire Steve Nash tomorrow, but I think they could fire their coach tomorrow and be fine for the rest of the season. I don't yeah. know, like you said, how that affects Mike Budenholz, how it affects that. And, like, I feel like there is this obsession with firing people and that it solves everything. It doesn't. It, it truly does not. It's not this immediate magic pill that everything is going to be better because we fired our coach. It might make yeah. things different, might provide some energy, but we've seen it in the NFL. It's a little different in the NFL, but it's like, yeah, they'll play hard for this guy, but none of those guys who were interim head coaches kept their job. They're all looking for work now. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, how, how much are we really, how much can we really lean into that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my thing about punting on the season is like, you, you have an interim coach then he's lame duck. Basically. It's like the odds of him coming back are, are pretty slim. Mm-hmm. and you probably wouldn't want them back because it's again it's the same system that you've just had and unless there's a guy off the street which i feel like that doesn't happen very often yeah david um, blatt would be the would be one of the bigger names but i don't with how david blatt fell apart i don't know how you'd want how you could make a case that blatt i don't even know where he's coaching right now uh, who knows he's might be russia. in russia for russia for all we know <laughs> i think he is. I'll, I'll look it up but yeah yeah, I don't know who. Yeah, who's out there that you're like, all right, yeah, immediately, immediately would be the the guy for the role. Like, I have no idea. I have no idea who, if anyone would be would be available to just step right in right now. Probably yeah. not. It would probably be better to just start all over again. David Blatt isn't coaching. He last coached Olympios, but Olympiacos, yeah, was it? Yeah. Olympiacos. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that was like two years ago. So, right. Um, yeah, he's he's a non-starter for me. I, I mean, I'm just not even really ready to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, no. I just no, I, I, and we can. So, I, and I I just want to bring it up. Yeah, real quick that um, this is a test of the regular season doesn't matter for sure. Absolutely Definitely a test. And I'm still gonna gonna stand a little bit firm on the regular season doesn't matter. We're only 19 games in. They're yep. still 11 and eight. Yep. Let's try to bring a little positive spin here. I mean, okay, yeah, let's do it. it it's just, it, I, I would say that, yes, this next week is, you know, how do they bounce back? You yeah. Know, they're going to, they're going to they're come back home. They had a sh- short three game road trip. Now they're coming back home. They looked fine against Toronto. Like, I don't understand, you know, I know Toronto's a little bit down, but they were playing pretty good coming in. I felt great about that win. So they just, they is just it that, 
is it just that they played up for Toronto because the history in Toronto is a pseudo rival of the Bucks and that they wanted yeah. to kick their that ass could be. and that could and be. then they just sort of lagged off against New Orleans and been like, well, we've beat, and I think there is a little bit of this culture. We've beat this team like five straight times. Like I think Bucks film room had it where it was like the Bucks Twitter account has been like they beat they beat the Hornets they beat the Hornets five straight times they beat the Pelicans yeah. like seven straight times where it's like we've beat these motherfuckers so often that we just don't care about them anymore and that they need a little bit of that juice. Well, and, and, so, and maybe maybe the organization you know I, I'm I don't have it in front of me but I bet you the margin of victory against Charlotte in those five wins was. 20 points on average. So when you're kicking their ass, I mean, maybe there's a little pride there organizationally, like, all right, you know, and and the Bucks will have a target on their back. Yeah. Every, every time they take the court, they have for quite some time now. Um, So that should be nothing new, but there's just, you know, the defense is certainly far from perfect. And you had some bad games from key players in this past week. Like, you know, Dante DiVincenzo cannot buy a three. No, Drew Holiday had a terrible shooting game on Wednesday against Toronto and was better over the weekend, but still he had a brutal stretch in the third quarter against Charlotte where he was, I mean, there was nobody on his side of the court for three and he was missing them. And that's like, you got to make one or two of those. And, you know, um, again, DiVincenzo Middleton has been a little, little down. So those last two games, he was just, not that he was like missing shots, but he was just passive. Yeah. I guess. And then obviously DJ Augustine is, I don't know, maybe a 33 year old guard. That's five foot nine. Wasn't the best idea to give $21 million to. No. So, uh, I, so I had a tweet about all these things and I got somebody, I don't know that follows me said that it was beyond a dramatic take. Uh, I rattled off a few things that, um, that pissed me off. And, um, so Brooks, I said Brooke has been horrible this year. Yeah. Um, so I mean, all those things, and you know, that's what happens. Yeah, I. Um, here is here's what I'd ask you: Do you think there needs to be any dramatic changes to your starting rotation or your bench? Do you think that this is finally the time where Jordan Nora and Sam Merrill are gonna get some minutes because nothing else is working, and you might need yeah. to extend your extend your bench does Tory Craig move yeah. into the starting rotation instead of Dante even so just as an energy thing like bringing doing something different like what kind of adjustments do you expect from Bud tonight against Portland I mean if I was the coach you want to know yeah sure or I, I well I hate saying it but I might try Bryn Forbes as a starter okay just because I think now he has played more the last couple of games. There were there was like a good week there where he wasn't playing much, coming in at the to start of the second quarter, missing a couple of shots and goes out. But I think he's a guy that probably fits well with the rest of those starters, just because he's a guy that flies around is 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 a chucker. I mean, he's just a guy that I think teams have to account for, and maybe he can just do some stuff that you know would um, distract defenses a little bit more. A guy a guy you don't really want to leave open but he's going to be open just because he's the least talented guy out there. And then Dante DiVincenzo goes to the bench and he can maybe work through against some, some lighter competition on the court and figure out what, you know, he figure out a shot again. Um, It's been really bad since pretty much since 
the calendar flipped to 2021 and um he just and then with nora and merrill i mean you would think like okay shit's getting bad like let's try somebody else but my thing i guess my hesitancy there is that the offense really isn't the issue i don't know what those guys can provide defensively i wouldn't trust sam merrill to guard anyone and jordan nora i mean we really haven't seen those guys enough to know for sure but I don't think Sam Merrill's a defensive wizard by any means. And uh, Nawara too, is I'm certainly more of an offensive player. So I, I, I would love to like, look at, look at the game against Charlotte, what they do. Um, they brought in that Caleb Martin dude yeah. uh, in the third quarter when like they had really gotten stagnant. Yeah. And it's like, you just bring him in for a couple minutes, maybe he hits a couple shots and he did. And, you know, that was, I think big for the momentum in the game and, I would like to see something like that maybe certainly in a game like last night where you're just, or like Saturday night where you're just, you're grinding the starters into the ground. And yeah. And, and maybe that's maybe Buttle learned from his buddy Borrego. I mean, they coach together, right. With the, with the Spurs. I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, maybe take something from that. I do agree that DiVincenzo is probably the move, like whether it's Bryn Forbes or Torrey Craig, and maybe mm-hmm. it's Torrey Craig just because you want to establish your defense a little bit because it has been so bad in the first quarter and making sure that Dame Lillard doesn't start off with a flamethrower and that he's not just lighting you up early. And it's like, here we go again. And I'm not a big fan of first quarter basketball. I've said that before that I feel you can't really learn a lot, but it it seems very important for the bucks. And the last two first quarters have been just a disaster. And I think that's something you have to fix if you're, if you're budding company. Yeah. So we'll yeah, see. I mean, it's, that's an interesting thought. Torrey Craig gives you basically nothing on offense, but right. the fact that he's not Thanasis Adetokounmpo um, yeah. gives him a leg up in Bucks fans' eyes <laughs> right now. But I, I think Torrey Craig is. I wanted to, I wanted to see him, and I think he needs more time. He didn't. He hasn't played a ton. Right. So, but you know, offensively, his this skill set is not not great. No. But no, it is. That's not what he's there for. Right. Well, to one coach not hopefully getting fired, to one that did, he didn't necessarily get fired. He just was told, hey, don't come back. Mike Patton, no longer the Packers defensive coordinator. Um, I wrote about it on Saturday, basically saying this is a huge decision for Matt LaFleur because he has all the talent there. They need a couple of add-ons, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But they have a very good defense just on paper. Like you look at those guys and you're like, they should be top five and Patton just never lived up to the potential. And I got to say, like, I'm not huge on firing guys, but it just seemed like it was time. I was, I just didn't think the Packers ever, you know, kind of lived up to that, what they could have been. They, if they were elite, we're probably doing like a Super Bowl preview this morning and not having a conversation about, about like them moving on and the box. We talked about the box, but they'd be probably, block A or block B or block C. So what was your initial thought on the whole patent firing? Well, I mean, it was, it was probably time to move on, go in a different direction, but I guess my thoughts on, on patent in general have kind of always been that defenses in the NFL aren't, aren't very good to begin with. Uh, the right. rules are, are stacked against them and there's just a lot, nobody can tackle. Mm-hmm. It's not just a Packers problem. There are there are just a lot of general issues with defensive players uh, in the NFL 
these days, the last five years or so. And, but you know, there's some things with the scheme that I think had gotten to a point where people were just done with him. And, you know, certainly that, that final game in the NFC championship game was, was not good for Mike Patton. I don't know if it would have saved his job necessarily, but the showing wasn't good from scheme wise in a lot of, in a lot of respects. And also some of the players that, you know, had been serviceable the last few games, let you down big time. And um, yeah, I mean, it's probably just time to move on. I don't really know who's realistically out there at the moment. I haven't looked at, I know some Wade Phillips is out there. It's like, God, can we just let that guy, let that guy be. I mean, he's 73 years old. He just, he doesn't want the stress. He, no, he wants to come back. I, he was on Rosillo's podcast last week. He wants to, he wants to be back coaching. I mean, these guys are just obsessive, but I don't know if Wade Phillips is the, the answer. Um, I, I know he, him and LaFleur worked together um, back at, I, I don't know where I can find that, but he's definitely a guy that people feel are going to talk about. Um, the Ram, that, the Rams, oh yeah, you, yes, you're right. I just pulled up like a, a top coaching list and yeah, Phillips is, Phillips is a guy that is going to get mentioned. You're going to pulling up some stuff and this is off of uh, Matt Schneidman. So kind of taking what, what he put together a list, like Chris Richard, who was calling plays for the Cowboys and also had the Legion of Boom. I don't know how I feel about that because that's a lot of cover three. You're basically going with a zone style defensive coach. I think you kind of want a hybrid of what Dom, Dom Capers has done during the past with the blitzing and the aggression, but also a little bit of zone, not but not to the level of Patton where you're playing 10 guys off a guy and trusting your cornerbacks because you have a elite one in Jair Alexander. Yeah. It's, it's, I just, I'm not a huge fan of retreads. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, can you find, can we find the defensive version of Matt LaFleur? Is that, is that available? I mean, I know they're, the Packers are getting a little bit of a late start in the hiring process. Um, and that, who is the Rams? Brandon Staley. Yeah, he got a I mean, he got a head he got a head coach job, right? The answer is Jim Leonard. I know that's pinhead, but it's yeah. Jim Leonard. It is I mean, like Jim that, Leonard got. Yeah, I'm I'm I would I would entertain it. Jim Leonard got looked at by the Rams before they went with Staley. They talked to Leonard about the job. I know that I'm sure McVeigh and Shanahan and Salah. I think they all talk. I think he'll reach out to Robert Salah and say, who would you recommend? What are you thinking? You know, and not that they want to help each other, because I don't think McVeigh and Shanahan would help him. But he'd look at those guys. Now, they already promoted D'Amico Ryans, who's a young defensive coordinator, that he'll now be the 49ers D coordinator. Mike Smith, I think, is really interesting internally. You know, he's yeah. 39 years old. You listen to him talk. He sounds like a guy that can lead the locker room. He made Rashawn Gary into a fucking stud this year. And probably Rashawn Gary is going to start and they're going to cut Preston Smith, which I think will be a big deal. He hasn't, he hasn't had any D coordinator experience though. So that you ask, ask that question. Um, Jerry Gray is another guy who got brought on as defensive court or defensive backs coach. And he's did a really good job with Savage Amos. All were really good. He was a D coordinator for the bills and the Titans. I'd have to look back at what they did, but that those would be your internal guys. And then yeah, Leonard, Leonard, I think, is your is your Matt LaFleur type. 
that you would you would be looking at that would say, all right, that's it. Another guy that was brought up uh, by Schneidman was Mike Elko, the defensive coordinator for Texas A&M, who's 43, was a safety at Penn. I, I don't know how people would feel about a college coach that wasn't Jim Leonard, just based on yeah. – and I think that's more pinheady than anything else. Well, yeah, because then it'd be, well, if you're going to get a college guy, go get Jim Leonard. And it's like, well, maybe it didn't go too well in the interview room. I, if it was me, I maybe would look at somebody from the Steelers – defensive staff somebody from baltimore's defensive staff maybe miami's defensive staff yeah um did aaron glenn get hired by anybody he, he was with new orleans he seemed uh, I think to be he got hired by the uh the lions ah uh, we'll talk so, about well he's out but yeah I, just, I, maybe you know maybe maybe look lions. for maybe look for somebody from one of those staffs who have who are defensive organizations and you know like Pittsburgh always has a great defense. Baltimore always has right. a great defense. The Rams typically have a good defense. I think a lot of that is helped by Aaron Donald, who is just a man child, right. but you know, it, it just maybe even new England, but I know new England, once the coordinators leave, things don't, don't really work out. So that kind right. of gives you a pause. I just maybe, maybe look at one of those, you know, organizations and try, I think to, that's a try to find your defensive Matt LaFleur. I think that's a good suggestion. And we'll talk whenever the guy is hired. Usually they act pretty quick on these things, but Packer fans are going to have to be patient. And we kind of went through this with LaFleur two years or uh, 10, two years ago, but like Packer fans are not, cannot completely just throw the baby out of the bathwater here again, because you're going to have to realize that they're going to, they should get at least a little bit of a window into this and say, all right, five or six games before it's like, all right, now we can start asking some questions, but you don't want to be, and I I talked about this on the blog yesterday, you don't want to be like Mike Zimmer going through fucking five offensive coordinators in five years. You don't want to be Brian Flores burning through three offensive coordinators in three years. Like, that's just not okay. Like, that's, that's not winning football, in my opinion. So, like, yeah. if you have a guy, you got to make sure that this is going to be your guy for four or five years. Now, if they get a high coaching job or whatever, you can't control that. And and that's fine, but you got to make sure that a, this guy's going to fix your, and I think the first question you ask is you say, all right, so-and-so interviewing for the job. How are you going to combine our pass rush with what we have in the secondary? And, but all the talents there, all you really have to do is get a corner for Kevin King. And you got to probably add in an interior lineman. And so how this works, and Mitch, this is how why I'm so good at my job here podcasting, is obviously there's J.J. Watt talk. And here we go yeah. again. And yeah. JJ, people think it might be J.J. Watt's last year, last time he played for Houston, um, that a lot of the stuff going on with Deshaun is not just for Deshaun. It's also J.J. Watt. And J.J. Watt is unhappy. The Texans can get out of J.J. Watt's contract. And it would be very Julius Peppers like to bring in a guy like JJ to kind of be a three, four end for you. And yeah. I think the impact would be great. And I think there would be a lot of people who would be excited. Now the other guy, so I'll get your take on who would you rather have here would be Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman said to be available. Now is Richard Sherman too old? I don't know. I mean, if you bring a guy like Christian Stard who Richard Sherman coached, I think that would be a guy then it's a no brainer. And 
So I guess the question is, who would you rather have? Would you rather have J.J. Watt or Richard Sherman? Oh, man. That's that's a tough one. Um, well, with Richard Sherman, you would have the the uh, Charles Woodson vibes, if you will. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, a defensive back that is – I mean, you know, we hate saying it, but legendary defensive back yeah. that, you know – uh, you got to you're going to bring him on potentially because nobody else wants him or at least that's what you know seemed like at the time with Charles Woodson yeah. was kind of under the radar signing a little bit and he turned out to be you know everything that you dreamt of and that's that could happen or it could go the other way with Richard Sherman I mean what is he like 32 he's 32 yep He'll yeah be so he's you he only played so five games last last season because of injuries God, the Niners were just so banged up last year and just a yeah. year from hell. They they will be back. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um... they're, yeah, they're going to be scary next year. <laughs> he made 8,000 8, or 8,000, made $8 million last year uh, for the for the Niners. So I'm sure he would commend $10 million, maybe a little more. And, you know, obviously the allure of potentially getting a ring. I think if you do bring in a guy like Richard, I think Richard Sherman would be they would probably try to dangle that in front of him and say, look, it's one of your coaches. If you like, I think he liked him. I don't think they had any issues. They're like, and then that would be a great way. And now you have basically a souped up version of Kevin King, six, three can guard bigger receivers. And you have the protection of Amos and Savage where he won't have to do uh, as much as maybe, as maybe a guy like Kevin King would. Yeah. But however, J.J. Watt, I think, is probably the more impactful move, I think, mm-hmm. to me, uh, than Richard Sherman. Um, just with, I don't know, it would be the fact that he's from Wisconsin and everybody knows him, everybody loves him. I think that would be huge for the fans, certainly. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, 99 Watt jerseys would be fucking off out. the shelves. Oh, yeah. It would be, I mean, it would be crazy. He would be, he they would, would have the the love and admiration that I think would be unparalleled of any defensive player we've seen maybe since Reggie White. I mean, I know that's right. intense, but it like is, but that's that's what it would be like. And for what they would have that, to do, they would have to do like jersey pre-orders. Oh yeah, for that. I mean what I mean what is a beloved guy. He, I, I always worried with JJ and I, I said this last time this was brought up when his name was brought up in trade rumors of like, can he handle like maybe not being the lead, like leader, like it, that's kind of Zedarius Smith's role is JJ Watt going to be okay with not being the dude. And we heard how like Mike Daniels rubbed some guys the wrong way. And like, that's where I would worry a little bit chemistry wise with JJ Watt more so than Richard Sherman, weirdly enough. But I, other than that, I mean, the, he would be very – you look at that off that defensive line and you basically replace J.J. Watt for Dean Lowry and you yeah, have J.J. Yep. Watt and Kenny Clark up front with Zadaria Smith and Rashawn Gary. I mean, and holy Rashawn fuck. Rashawn Gary and, and you got Chris Barnes, who I think is, you know, the, the incumbent starter, I would imagine. Um, yeah, and, and that's – and that's my my point too about the the defense and going circling back to that coordinator is like yeah you have everything there you have you have two linebackers for the first time in forever with Cole Martin and Chris Barnes I think both those guys are studs 
there's no reason to get out of a three, four. I think that would be a massive mistake. Yeah. If they, I was going to ask, I was going to ask if you would be willing to think about a four, three, but I don't think I would either. The team's just, it's, it's almost like when the Bucks hired Mike Budenholzer and it was like, everything's here. We just have to unlock every, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's to- and they, totally and they did. And I know at the moment we're, you know, we're, we're down, but like, right. you know, it's just, it's just, it's a matter of all the talents here. We just need to find the defensive coordinator that will, sort of make chicken salad out of chicken you know what Shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can say it. yeah but like you know I mean that, that kind of goes against the fact that we just talked about how much talent they have on defense which they do yeah. you know what I mean we're like just just put the extra little little bit of seasoning on it and um and put the guys in the right position to succeed in 2021 NFL play which I think is and just guys a guy that'll make more adjustments I think right. and maybe play some man and zone in the same, you know, and not play 10 yards off the ball on third and three and just little things like that. Mix it up. I mean, for God's sake. Yeah. Going back to going back to uh, JJ Watt uh, quickly. The one thing to worry about Watt is injuries because since 2006, he played three games in 2016. He played five games in 2017, full season in 2018, 2020, and he played eight games uh, in 2019. So keeping him healthy would be paramount is like, how do you do that? And are you able to say, Hey, you're not going to play as many snaps because we are going to try to get you. We are going to try to preserve you and we're going to get you ready for the postseason. And, and we'll see. Um, But yeah, I think either would be a massive upgrade for the Packers and would are those little moves. I know the Packers don't have a lot of money. They got a, they got a lot of things to think about and yeah. worrying about contracts is, is definitely tough, but there, there's a case to be, you probably can't bring both in, but there is a case for either one. And yeah, uh, Richard Sherman would bring a lot of like Aramis Ramirez vibes where it's like, God, I fucking hated Aramis Ramirez for so many years. And then he was an awesome brewer and we had yeah. some good times with Rami. And, well, and I, I, do you think Watt would be cheaper? Ah, uh, do you think you get think, maybe the home, the hometown? Yeah. I think Watt, assuming he's a free agent. Yeah. I would think Watt would tell, and I said this back in fall, I think Watt would tell the Packers, the bears and the Steelers, Hey, I will play for less money because I have roots here. My two brothers yeah. play in Pittsburgh. I'll play with my brothers and play for less money. I'll play in Chicago for a little less money because my fiance or wife, I can't remember if they're married, uh, plays soccer here in Chicago. And that's where they're, they're currently living. Um, and then obviously the Packers, same thing. I, I have a cabin up here. I can live up here all the time. Like, of course. And so I think that's all, it's all intertwined. So we'll see. It'll be, be a, the off season for the NFL is going to be crazy. And you know, we didn't even get on the Matt Stafford stuff and, and with the, him heading to the Rams. As Ross Olgram said, like, I didn't know Matt Stafford became peak prime Brett Favre. Like, people are <laughs> losing their fucking shit about Matt Stafford. And he's – I'm going to tell you right now, Matt Stafford is not that good. Matt Stafford's fine. But Matt Stafford – I've watched Matt Stafford. I know Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is not a winner. And he just isn't. Like, I know that's, that's so cliché. But I've watched Matt Stafford just throw away fucking games. I've never once thought Matt Stafford can win you a football game. And maybe that's a little yeah. strong. 
but I think people are overreacting to the highest degree with this trade. And I think it's yeah. partly because NFL <clears throat> trades just don't happen. Yeah. It's that there's certainly some of that where it's uh, you know, it's catnip for people to, you know, have something to discuss about, you know, a crazy uh, transaction in the NFL, which yeah, for the most part, transactions are kind of lackluster, <laughs> but this is a blockbuster deal for the NFL. And um, I mean, I guess maybe what you're looking for there is that is Stafford that much of an upgrade over Goff? And also how fast did the Rams give up on Jared Goff? I mean, that yeah. was, that, that ended quick. That's uh, you know, they don't mess around too much. I mean, that's like the anti Packers. Yeah. That was like... very Sean McVay just like saying, I'm, I'm done. Like I, I don't believe in this guy. And I think the lions look at it and the lions are now headed into a rebuild and saying, all right, we're going to, have Jared we might get a quarterback in the first round I don't know maybe there I think in play now for a quarterback and we'll let him learn under Jared and and then maybe we'll move on after that because they have Jared yeah. for a few years I mean that that contract's going to be hard to move for for the Ram or for the Lions after the fact you know at what at what point though is so now McVay's going to have Stafford and what if they go you know 10 and six again, nine and seven. And it's kind of more of the same. Is McVeigh finally going to be human? Like, is that, yeah. that going to be, or is that already, are we already at that point? I, I saw mean, Tyler, I you know what? I saw Tyler Dunn and Pete Bukowski talking about that yesterday on Twitter. Um, and they were like, There's are a we lot sure? There's a lot are we sure McVeigh is like a good coach? Yeah. I, I think there is a real conversation to be had. Like, all right, it's kind of put up or shut up at the time. But, but that division is fucking brutal. I mean, that is oh, yeah. the hardest division by far, as we just discussed. Like, the Niners are going to be back. Arizona has a terrible head coach, but they have a good good talent. Um, and yeah. maybe they can win without the, the you know, Cliff Kingsbury being a numbskull. Um, and then, and then you Seattle. Have Seattle. Seattle. Seattle will be way. good. I mean, like, you're not going to have – there are no days off in that division. And, of course, the Packers have to play that entire division next. Um, which yeah, Packer schedule is really tough next year. It's really, it's really hard. We'll have some real conversations about that in, uh, April or May when the schedule comes out and everyone thinks the Packers are going to go eight and eight, which is my favorite. I love that mm-hmm. every year. Those pinheads just like, Oh, I don't know. 79. I, I just don't see it this year. But well, I, I was, I was one of them this past year. Uh, but it was fine, Mitch. It was it was the pandemic. You can blame. We had no sports going on at that point. We were all just hungry for content. We didn't know. We didn't know if we'd even have a season at that point. Uh, yeah. So as for it, I, I I think yeah, it's gonna make the Rams a little better. But I don't think it makes them a Super Bowl contender. I don't look at the Rams roster and say that team is so much better than the Green Bay Packers now because they have Matt Stafford. I still think the Packers would have beaten that the Matt Stafford led Rams two weeks ago. I still think they yeah. would have won that game. Again, Stafford hasn't won meaningful football games. And I'm sorry, well, like that's just that matters to me. I think that people who think Stafford is a great fit probably just look at it and say he's probably never had this amount of talent around him. Yeah. And, you know, now he's he's getting out of the, you know, Detroit stench and can you know maybe take that next step and sort of be what we've been waiting for him to be and but yeah I agree I I don't I don't necessarily think he's a 
I mean, I don't know. He's a, he can actually throw the ball downfield, right? Which right, Bob can't but, really do. But is that true about the talent? Because the guy had the guy had fucking Calvin Johnson. He had Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones isn't bad. Like yeah. they, it wasn't like they had just no talent whatsoever. I mean, they had guys. I I kind of I don't know, and that's what I that's kind of my point. Like that's my point about that Matt Stafford is just, I don't think he's a winner and he's a tough guy and whatever, but it doesn't immediately make me think, Hey, this Rams team is going to be just dominant. Right. So I, I do want to call out one thing about the NFC North here and you look at the NFC North and man, even if the Packers have a hard out of division schedule, what's the NFC North going to look like? Like, I don't think the Bears are going to get Deshaun Watson. I know that that's been – they won him, apparently. And Bears are – I think the Bears, like, PR is putting that out there just with how much of a clusterfuck their, like, exit interviews were with Ted Phillips and McCaskey. And I think they won't be like, all right, we're going to, like, kind of do the Brewers thing, which we're going to get to in a second here. We're going to put ourselves out there, make you know we give a shit, but that we're not actually serious. And, yeah. uh, and so – so that I think I, I don't think the Bears will do much. The Vikings have cap issues up the ass, and they're gonna have a real real issue next year. The Lions are rebuilding. The Packers might have just free range to kind of do whatever they want in that division. Yeah, so. I mean they're gonna be they've they were last year. I mean, we're you know, um, kind of guaranteed five wins from the division. I mean maybe four, four to five wins. I think that that's going to be the case, you know, probably for the next couple of years. And they're going to, they're certainly going to need them next year, as you just highlighted. I mean, the schedule is going to be going to be tough with the NFC West on there for sure. And I mean, you know, I, I don't have, you know, and but then again, Aaron Rodgers is going to be gone next year. So <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I saw someone say, Oh man, Aaron Rodgers is probably jealous of Matt Stafford. I was like, fuck off, dude. Like that, that's not true at all. Like seriously, like go fuck yourself. I didn't say that. I just said, <laughs> LOL. No, he's not. Like, come on. Like Aaron. Aaron wants to be in Green Bay. I saw that Lock and Fora's report about that. Oh, he's it is going to be nuclear. And I was like, Jason. The first Jason Lock and Fora right report is going to be the first one of all time because right. it just it just doesn't happen. Real quick, I. I know that we're we'll move topics, but I had the over in Ohio State and and Michigan State. I have Ohio State big, which they won, but the fact yeah. that this game's going to go under at 141 and it was 142, and Michigan State just missed two fucking layups is just oh, <laughs> I hate gambling so much. I don't know why I do it. I, I really don't, but whatever. <laughs> Fuck my life. Um. So all right, let's talk about the Brewers. I just had to say it because they. I was watching it. I was not narrating. I was keeping track. I was worried a little bit that we, this wasn't going to hit. And then, oh, man, that's brutal. Yeah. Anyways, I have it. I have it on too, but I wasn't paying that close close attention. That's uh, taxes in Ohio State being on CBS on a Sunday at you, noon. Is you bet like, before golf, guaranteed. Right. Yep. You got to have the Big Ten game before golf. Um, and yeah, they uh, Michigan State really bad. There, I don't think they're making the tournament. How weird is this? I mean, the college tournament or the college season has been 
obviously it's cliche, but everything's been weird, you know, and yep. it's like no Duke, no Kentucky, no Michigan State. Duke's, I mean, starting to, Duke's starting to figure it out a little bit. Like, Duke... Well, Jalen Johnson ended ended somebody's life. Oh, my God. Saturday. That dunk was just absurd. Uh, <laughs> J- shout out to Sun Prairie. Jalen Johnson just delivering the hammer. That was... Sun that Prairie, was Nick, Nicolay. He went to, what, IMG for, like, a couple <laughs> days? <laughs> yeah, Jalen was everywhere, um, to say the least. So, uh, but, yeah, I think originally from Sun Prairie. So let's uh, yep. let's move our move our way to baseball quickly um, as we're as we're rolling through about an hour. Um, so the Brewers, man, and you've been kind of on board with David the frustration with David Stearns and Matt Arnold and just the Brewers' lack of doing anything. You made the hilarious comment about utility players last week, which was very accurate. And now I finally joined the party, and I feel like I have enough patience. And I have enough time to like, I, I give it as much as I can. But I said this in a blog yesterday and I'll, I'll repeat it on the podcast. It's a fucking slap in the face to every Brewer fan. If you come out with almost the exact same roster as you did last year, it is extremely disrespectful because you have Christian Yelich. You have what looks like the skeleton of a winning baseball team. And you have a division that's not very good or wasn't for a couple days. And now, and you do absolutely nothing is garbage and it's unnecessary and it's infuriating. And, and I can't believe no one has taken the Brewers to task in the media because they're all carrying the fucking water for Darren, David Stearns and Tom Hardcourt's backs probably hurting for all the water he's carried for the last fucking 10 years. And it's just garbage, Mitch. I had enough. Like, I know you feel the same way, but like, I just had to get it out there. Cause I'm, I'm done. I'm done yeah. I, I mean, well, welcome, welcome to welcome aboard. Thanks. First bud. of all, Thanks. Um, I just, I don't know what you're expecting them to do. I mean, and, and I, I don't, I don't mean that in a defensive way. Of the no, words. No, no. I just mean Sorry. like, what I, were you expecting them to sign a guy for a hundred million dollars? No, no, I mean, but like the air out of deal was not a hard, like, they gave like the Rockies took back a ton of money mm-hmm. and it's like, and they didn't trade much for him. Now I know Arenado has an opt out in a year, so they're hoping to re-sign him. But if that's all it costs to get Nolan Arenado, why the fuck weren't the Brewers involved? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that was basically kind of the, the final straw was Arenado going to, going to a division rival. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it just, it just, it, it was there for sucked. the taste. And then you have uh, Ricketts and Jed Hoyer saying like, hey, we think this division's gettable. We're not going to rebuild. We're going to add Jock Peterson. We're going to take a flyer on Trevor Williams, who I don't know if Trevor Williams is good, but he's shown some signs in the past. Again, another guy I'd be fine taking a flyer on because the Cubs see a window. So why aren't the Brewers seeing the same fucking window? Riddle me that. I don't know. I mean, maybe the organization looks at it like, well, we'll get Lorenzo Cain back, who's yeah. pretty close to washed. I mean, let's just let's just say it. Mm-hmm. And you know, they'll have Garcia, Yelich, no, nothing on Ryan Braun yet, but I wouldn't expect him back, I suppose. Um, but there isn't much else to really to really like, you know. I mean, the catcher position is still average at best. They just, it's just, I'm just tired of 
hoping to be good instead of you know trying to be good well that's the thing you like that's that's been it's been three years of that shit you basically now are like all right here it goes again everything has to go right for us to win 90 games it's like yeah maybe we would but who knows like yeah if eric lauer actually pitches to his potential maybe they're good if finally adrian hauser isn't so far buried in his fiance snatch that he can take a minute to fucking breathe maybe he'll (laughs) actually be a good pitcher um little intense but seriously like dude stop with the fucking instagrams i get you love your hot girlfriend like congrats i think they're they're engaged now but like just chill like be a baseball player um so it's like i just if you're not gonna trade josh hayden which you're not going to do apparently. And the asking price is too high for our guy, Bob Murray. Okay. Stay with Josh Hader. Stay the course. I'm fine with that. But if you're going to do that, then make some fucking moves to like, to like actually make it meaningful and, and make a run. Cause you have as good of a back end bullpen as anyone in fucking baseball. Anyone. There is not a better back end bullpen. And so all you have to do is a couple moves, just a little tweaks here and there, just adding a couple more Avi Garcia types to that offense. And like, yeah, I'm looking at the 40 man roster right now and it's just, it's uninspiring. I mean, after, after Hader, Devin Williams, I mean, Kira, you still like. And then it's like, if we give Justin Turner three years, $60 million, are we going to all be like, well, this guy's too fucking old. We talked about it last week. Like, if I, are we going to like, I'll be like, well, now we just overpaid for another old guy. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I it, Turner doesn't do much for me. I mean, he is old and I don't know. He strikes me as a guy that when he leaves his hometown team, the Dodgers is just whatever going to be so average. Or, or below average and, and on top of the fact that he's aging it's just I don't know he doesn't he doesn't do a ton for me I just Eddie, I, I wouldn't have minded Eddie Rosario but yep. were they gonna have him play first base I mean right I what did, has he played first base I mean now uh, he's, with the, so. he's with the he's with the Indians but well I thought I thought maybe they would go with a with a potential of a uh hit my tongue They'd go with like Avi Garcia at first base because Avi Garcia has played a little bit of first base. So well, that'd, be, looking, that'd be okay. Looking at what is available at the first base position now. So how not does they, not how does pretty? They, well, they signed Mitch Moreland, who's thirty-five, but can still like lash doubles like nobody's business. His nickname is Mitchy Two Bags. Shout out to Jared Caravas. They add Mitch Moreland. I'm starting to be like, all right, David Stearns. Okay. That would be all right. Yeah. Now, Moreland doesn't make a lot of sense because you have double cheese that you really would prefer a right-handed guy. So I don't know who that is. That's CJ Crone, who's not inspiring at all. Um, just I wouldn't mind. I would not mind CJ Crone. I'd rather have CJ Crone than Jed Jerko. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Jed Jerko is out there. Um, I would love Mitch Moreland. I, I would love Mitch Moreland. I don't think I would – if Daniel Vogelbach was cut tomorrow, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really lose sleep. Um, yeah. Now, you add a guy like – now, third base is actually interesting. There's guys I think I kind of like more than Justin Turner. You have Marwin Gonzalez. Yeah, Michael Franco, who's kind of a shithead, but he can hit the ball like crazy. He's still only 28, so there's that Carlos Gomez, 
maybe he hasn't hit the full potential um, opportunity there. You have Todd Frazier, who uh, Todd Frazier rubs no. me the wrong way. Try hard, yeah, no. not not that great. Marwin Gonzalez, though, you have a you have a guy who could play a ton of positions. Who's not yep. just who's not just a third baseman. Kind of Sternsy, right? Jake Lamb, who hasn't been the same since all his injuries. I don't know. Um, Travis Shaw, baby. Yeah, I don't think Travis Shaw. I think <laughs> Travis Shaw burned a bridge. Yeah, he's he's, he's not coming out of Milwaukee. So that's that's all possible. We'll we'll have to see. But yeah, I mean, I I said it I said it yesterday that if David Stearns wants to dunk on me like Shaq or Chris Dudley, fine, I'll take it. But mm-hmm. and and I know the beat writers will come up with their sassy ass responses about like, oh, everybody overreacting. Just wait on David Stearns. Fuck off. Yeah, like I wonder. I, I wonder, I think a lot of it for the Brewers too is there and for baseball in general is they're, they're waiting to see what the, what the decision is on the DH. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Because then, then, then you have Vogelbach as DH. I think pretty, pretty comfortably. I'd be fine with that. Um, I really don't want him as a first baseman though. No, but if, if it came to it, I suppose, but I don't know. Baseball's just so, such a weird spot. And um, we did have a tweet from Tim Brown of Yahoo Sports come mm-hmm. out on Sunday, early Sunday afternoon, about um, the league provo- proposing a 154-game schedule to the union starting a month late. So I guess it wouldn't start until May, yep. essentially. And going, you know, World Series wrapping up like a week later, like middle of November. Yeah. Um, which that's the closest thing to news we've gotten, I think, on on baseball and in a while it's been so quiet right i know that the cactus league which is in arizona where a lot of guys live the majority of spring training facilities are there they wanted to delay a month because of a covid surge in arizona right yeah so not like a month that, but that, that would was align also, that was also weird because it was like they looked at it and said like the coyotes are having fans at their hockey games so like yeah. you know where what are we doing here um what how does this all make sort of sense um, Jeff Passan followed up Tim Brown, Tim Brown's thing and said, he said, here's the very important point of the talks. If there's not a deal, there's going to be baseball so long as government authorities allow it, which they're doing for every other sport. In fact, absent of a deal, opening day will be April 1st. He's like, there is a deal to be made. It would involve MLB countering their proposal, which the union may or may not do. It'll depend on the response to the players. The league clearly wants to delay. So do many front office officials and other workers. The ball is in the players' hands. So what that reads to me, Mitch, is we want to have more people get vaccinated so we can make a case that we can have about half full stadiums or maybe even three-fourths full stadiums come May. And that yeah. we can then start recouping a lot of the money <laughs> we lost last season. That's what that reads yeah. to me. Yeah, I'm sure the league would would love to wait um, to, you know, maximize profit. And, but we'll see what the, what the players want. I, I, I would imagine it's not too much to ask the players to wait a month, you know, especially considering the fact that nobody knows what the hell's going on and we're at, you know, February 1st. Mm-hmm. So um, I was, I'm on the Brewers website. I mean, spring training games are scheduled, I think, for the 27th is the first one. Yeah, Murph. As far as I can tell. Birthday Murph. Oh, 
holy shit, that that weekend is going to get out of hand. Yeah, um, it is. <laughs> probably not a live podcast though. I'll tell you that much, but it's going to be going to be fun. We're going to have a fun weekend there. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's supposed to start in a month. So it, it is kind of do or die right now. It's like either the players say, hey, we're going to counter and we're going to do 154 and we want to get paid for 154, but we also want to DH because that creates 15 more jobs. Mm-hmm. And that means that 15 more guys are getting, getting paid and we want to make sure of that. And I don't know what what will go on but it's it's very fascinating to see i think we all we all are fascinated to know what's going to happen there yeah just but, such a holding pattern oh yeah for, I mean, for for baseball and they just continue to frustrate fans and and you know i don't know they just, yeah they just... i baseball's in a weird spot man i'm still gonna watch it i'm still gonna enjoy it but I'm part of me gonna... just wonders like are the players gonna say no no let's let's figure something else out just like and put it in the media and just be petulant about it I I could certainly see that at this point well you're right and I mean there's a real you know I think the stat was they did like an agent survey the athletic did and I think 35 percent which isn't a lot which is the majority thought that they were going to have a work stoppage after next year and we'll see and yeah. but I think baseball is trying to figure out ways to enhance their game. They brought in Theo Epstein. I think that was a really sharp move. They just added Ken Griffey Jr. to not only help with game, but also diversity, which I think is really important because we've seen the decline of the black American baseball athlete. That just is yeah. not as existent as it was in the past. And there are a hundred reasons why we don't have we a aren't people to talk about that, but B it's a, it's a whole podcast in itself. So the, that, that's another thing. So they're making some steps. I will say that, that they're, they're showing signs that they're starting to say, all right, we're paid critical mass. Now we're bringing in some of the sharpest minds to sort of figure this shit out and, and we'll see what happens. Um, And yeah, it's going to be interesting. Lastly, and before we wrap up, uh, there was a lot of talk about the back Alex Lazary getting the vaccine early, uh, got dragged on social media. I don't follow Alex, uh, basically was fortunate enough to get a vaccine. And I kind of see both sides of this, Mitch. I, I see, I, I think that you'd be lying to yourself if you aren't given an opportunity late in the day where they have vaccines, where they'll just expire if nobody gets them because they're the way the vaccine works is not one where you can restore it overnight. You, you have to use it that day. That's probably what happened with Lazary. He was lucky enough to get a vaccine because of that. But I also, too, if I were Alex, I would have ran it by Bucks PR and Bucks Social and said, hey, guys, do you think I should post about this? And they would have said, absolutely fucking not. So I think he's an idiot for posting about it. <laughs> But yeah. I, th- I think we'd all be lying to ourselves that we wouldn't openly accept the vaccine in that similar situation. Sure. It's just the thing about that, though, is that they work for Lazary. So, I mean, <laughs> he doesn't he probably doesn't give a shit what the right. PR. But, I know, but I mean, maybe it's something to certainly something to brainstorm, though. But I mean, yeah, it's uh, people are upset a lot of it, too, because it just kind of shows his privilege. And, oh, yeah, totally. You know, people, I think just 
existing. Lazary sort of rubs people the wrong way. I think he's a nice dude. I think that he, you know, means well, but, you know, just being the son of a billionaire and probably being a billionaire yourself, it kind of, you know, it's going to inherently rub people the wrong way. And then it's like, oh, by the way, I got the Vax. Like, oh, and then of course, you know, everyone's going to be, it's just going to be a polarizing topic. And that's kind of what happened. I mean, I just, I was a little surprised that he would, I saw it like right when he tweeted it. And it was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of those maybe just sort of don't roll with. Um, and if you're going to say something on social media, maybe don't post a picture of you and your fiance or wife or whatever, you know, all happy, maybe tweet and say, I got the Vax, NBD, but KBD. And maybe, maybe it's not as much of an issue, but yeah, probably, probably leave that one under wraps. It doesn't really bother me that he got it. I mean, hopefully everyone and soon enough will be able to get it, but yeah, yeah. Just keep that one, keep that one maybe a little more to your inner circles uh, for the time being. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's definitely something where it's like, you don't want that to get out, but I, I have like real wonders. So I was out at Eagle Park last night and uh, my uh, Morgan's brother's boy or girlfriend, not boyfriend, uh, girlfriend has been vaccinated. She, both of them, she has the whole thing. Like she was still rocking a mask. And I was like, dude, if that were me, I would be like showing my vax card and be like, Hey, I, and I don't know what that's going to be like. That part of it to me is like the weirdest part is like, when, like, are we going to have to like show a vaccination card? Is it just going to be like, there is no mask mandate. And that if you aren't vaccinated, you should keep wearing a mask, but no one can really regulate it and check it. Like I have so many questions about that. That's the one part that it's kind of breaking my brain right now. Cause I don't know. I don't know how that can be figured out. Like, I don't know what, I know there are going to be some ridiculous things that come out of it. Right. Like you had, uh, you had LA, Los Angeles, who was like, oh, we'll open up indoor dining, but hey, no uh, TVs will be on because they don't want people to watch the Super Bowl. And it's like, guys, wouldn't it be better to be like socially distant outside than be at somebody's house if you're worried that much about it? Yeah. But anyways, that's, we don't need to get into COVID Chuck talk. Uh, no. Real quick, speaking of Super Bowl, I didn't ask when we were talking football, do you have a uh, Super Bowl prediction? As of Sunday, I know things could change by uh, next Sunday. I don't know how you're going to react to this, but I'm thinking the Buccaneers are going to win. Buddy, I think the same way. I actually do. I uh, I think at this point today, if, if the Super Bowl was being played later this afternoon, I think I was taking Buccaneers plus three and a half, and I think I'm jumping on the money line too because I look at the, the offensive line problems for the Kansas City Chiefs, yep. and I see the exact same story as the Green Bay Packers. I see yeah, the I mean, exact same dude, thing happening. The Buccaneers are their wagon. I mean, right. they are. And, and, and the we'll talk, too, but. yeah, we'll talk about props like later this week, but like, I think there's a real prop to be made, like that a defensive player could win MVP. Like I could easily see like JPP being the defense, being the MVP of the Super Bowl because like, they just wreck shit. And, getting five sacks and, and right. Because like Mahomes, is more more agile than Aaron Rodgers, but he has a turf toe injury. So maybe that turf toe is better and Mahomes is able to to like run. And I actually love like Mahomes over for running. Uh if I'm starting to think through like how this game will go together. But we'll get into that later this week. 
and I don't know, maybe my opinion changes after I listen to a few people about it. I mean, initially, I was like, I'm going to bet, I'm going to have such a big bet on the Chiefs um, right after the game was over, right after the weekend was over. And now, as I was going into last week, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to be with Tampa Bay, which kind of hurts. I don't think I want to be with Tampa Bay, but I think that's where my I'm going to end up. So we'll see. We'll obviously talk about it a little bit more this week. I'll have some kind of fun topics around the Super Bowl that really are more Wisconsin-related than they are um, the game-related. So stay tuned for those. We'll also talk about the Bucks all week. Um, yeah. Whatever else comes. We get a new defensive coordinator, maybe. But then Mitch and I will be – uh, what's up? And uh, Marquette's about to take the court here on uh, as we record this podcast, and they apparently took a knee for the national anthem. Uh, so maybe they, that'll I be. They, uh... I think they have been doing that um, pretty regularly, um, and I'm I have the golf on right now. I haven't flipped, but I mean, golf tournament is great. So I'll be I'll be dual screening, flipping back and forth because we have they have a golf tournament with Rory, Rom, and Patrick Reed all at the top of the leaderboard. Hovland also involved. But I got to say, these guys can kind of go fuck themselves because it's 60 degrees in San Diego and they're like wearing like a light jacket. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, well, sounds like you got a you got a nice little setup for a Sunday evening. Yeah. You know, Royal Rumble tonight, too, if you're a WWE fan, but I'm not one anymore. But yeah, so that'll do it for us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with the Daily Tap uh, and uh, we'll talk to you guys. All right. So take care. Have a good one. Peace.